Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. This will certainly have an adult theme and might well contain strong scenes of sex or violence, which could be quite graphic. It may also contain some very explicit language, which will frequently mean sexual swear words. What do you want to Um... <laughs> chart music. <laughs> chart music. Youngsters, and welcome to the latest episode of Chart Music, the podcast that left it too late to shove its hand right down the back of this sofa of a random episode of Top of the Pops in Time for Christmas. I'm your host, Al Needham, and standing by my side today are, well, nobody at the moment. Here I am in my living room, all on my own, just contemplating what the fuck's going off. So, you know. Got an episode of Top of the Pops for you. Uh, it looks like it's just going to be me. But, oh, hang on a minute. Is that the doorbell? Fucking hell, Taylor Parks. Hello, Hello Taylor. Hell. Hello, Merry Christmas. Blimey, it's snowy out there. Isn't it just? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this, if you had the place done up, I don't remember that roaring open fire. No. And uh, <laughs> giant husky dog. <laughs> I've All just right. done a, a song and dance routine with a load of kids, but they've gone now, so thank <laughs> yeah, God you're here. Good. Yeah. All right. Well, I hope you don't mind me settling into your enormous leather sofa and no, not getting all, stuck mate. into this decanter. No, yeah. get stuck in, mate. That's what it's there for. Yeah, just freeloading is <laughs> what Christmas is all about. Indeed. So yeah, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna stay here until you're sick of me and start dropping polite hints. I wouldn't leave it any later than that, out of respect. <laughs> so, uh, who else is coming round? No, don't tell me. It'll be a surprise. Taylor, did you have a good Christmas? Uh, I was just trying to think back. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, it was, you know, just it's surprising how exhausting isolation can be mm. when you're in permanent furlough. Yeah. I don't know, this Christmas it was different. Yes. You know, in the sense of being like all the recent Christmases, but more so. Yes. I was stuck in my house. You, I always dreamt of spending Christmas in London at my place mm. instead of having to race around Britain standing up on 100 quid trains. Yeah. You know, with all, all your crushable presents stuffed into the overhead luggage rack 15 feet away from you and just <laughs> hoping Bill Sykes isn't back at your flat cramming the four things that you own with any resale value into a burlap sack you know and and crack pissing over everything else for a laugh mm. um but yeah my vision of christmas at home sort of involved me wearing a big jumper 
surrounded by all friends who've all inexplicably decided to come around to my shit flat instead of being at theirs. Mm. You know, uh, walking past a Victorian lamppost in the snow and all that. Yeah. And, you know, having some sort of adventure with a moral rather yeah. than the reality, you know, of getting up when it's already dark and <laughs> <laughs> eating scrambled eggs on low-carb toast. Mind you, there's a moral to that too. Yes. Which is? I don't want to think about it. At the moment. Still, there's always the birth of Jesus to yeah, cheer us to, all up. To, yeah, to contemplate. Joy to the world. Yeah. yeah. Cheers, love. What a difference you've made. Mm. Yeah. I heard something interesting about Jesus the other day. Apparently, he was he was five foot five. Right. I've got no idea what this is based on or how that was calculated or from what the measurements were taken, but... That's what I heard. Yeah, and I think it's pretty good because he didn't let it hold him back, did he? No. He went out there and he uh, showed the world he didn't just get where he was because of who his dad was. <laughs> but it's impressive because he must have had that sort of short guy intensity and mm. compact, controlled rage, you know, like Al Pacino or yeah. or Joe Pesci or Bob Dylan mm. or uh, Jose Mourinho. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can imagine him getting furious in the temple with the money changers, just turning over all the tables and mm. much bigger blokes sort of step back, looking inexplicably worried, like like Tom Cruise as Jack Reacher. You know, <laughs> it's weird. But it's weird. You wouldn't think that God would choose to put his only son so far from heaven. Mm. Yeah. On the positive side, though, it does save on wood. <laughs> Do you mind if I have a brandy? No, go ahead, mate. Oh, cheers. Oh, hey, Taylor, there's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. There's somebody at the door. It's Sarah fucking B. Hey, up, Sarah, Hello. come on in. Hello. Merry, Merry Christmas, dog, or whatever Hello. it was. No. Merry festive, what's it? Yeah, Merry festive you. perennium. <laughs> That's the lad. Yes, how are we? Oh, well, it's, I'm, it's, I've, I've just got to brush the twinkly frost off my... Warm fake fur here. Mm. Can I hang it up? Is it all right? Can I yeah, just go ahead. a bottle? In fact, I've brought. I mean, it's not full, but no. you know, it's cold out there. I've had to like fortify myself on the way. Mm. You know, but um, what what's mine is yours. What is left in here is is oh. is. Well, I want some of it, but but also you can have some because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> oh, oh, it's nice in here. Good Christmas dog. It was. Quite pleasant, thank you. Lovely. We did what we did last year, which was hang out in our flat together and... Um, and fuck everyone else. Eat a basically, yeah. it's terrible. No, uh, you know, we phoned our folks and stuff and then we ate a bit too late and everything, but not... What is too late? No, There's no, no such thing. It's, it's not a day for worrying about scheduling, really. No. You don't have to watch the Queen if you don't want to because you're grown-ups now and you can do what you want. Yeah. Mostly put on a sort of a festive... Festive playlist of not Christmas but Christmassy mm. music. Yeah. Which basically you start with the Cocteau Twins and go from there. Right. Yeah. Stuff that's like, stuff that's twinkly, stuff that gives you that little twinkle in your head, you know. Um, so yeah, did that and I thought, oh, I know, I'll put on one of those. I've got, I've got YouTube on the telly and it's like, um, there's like seven hours of relaxing fire loop. Mm. So it's that slightly weird fake fire and it has a sort of crackling, you know, the pleasant... And I love the sound of a crackling fire because who doesn't? Yeah. So it was on under the music and in between the songs, it gets lovely, peaceful crackling noise, you know. Nice. Um, but unfortunately, <laughs> it was sort of half relaxing and half really stressful because I kept forgetting that it was on and I'd be sort <laughs> of loafing about. And then I'd be like, ah. Oh, 
Oh, isn't this nice? Wait, what's burning? No, no, it's fine. No, it's the thing you put on. Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Oh, isn't that nice? What a, how, what a fun thing. Yeah, it's lovely. Hang on, what, what's burning? There's a, I can hear it, I can hear it. Oh, no, it's fine. And so I, uh, that was, you know, stimulating. Didn't that have ads crushing in every 10 minutes? That would yeah. ruin it. It's like, have you ever thought of investing in Bitcoin? <laughs> no, 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 I really haven't. Can you fuck off? No. So that, <laughs> fortunately, um, it was, yeah, I don't know. I must be, I'm going to be paying for that in other ways, aren't I? For the sort of three mm. hours of fake fire that I had on. But <laughs> um, yeah, we just, it was like, let's make it, because we weren't feeling very Christmassy. And it's like, oh no. God, we have to like find the Christmas in ourselves. And it always, you know, you find it in the end. So it's just like, yeah, get all the fairy lights that you can, get all the candles. And, you know, that that kind of did it. And we had uh, we had some neighbours on Christmas Eve. That one of the neighbours were like, oh, we didn't get crackers and the, the kids will be sad. And we had four crackers and the two of us. So my, my bloke ran round two crackers to the neighbours and then we had the other two. And we got a little chess set in one of them. A fucking arse small. A tiny weedy one, like a little kind of... A, like a plastic one obviously Ooh. the jokes were not really worth repeating they weren't like you need really shit christmas cracker jokes mm. and they they kind of weren't of the of that specific quality and we played the shortest game of charades <laughs> uh, it was like okay five words film book first word uh, around around the world in 80 days yeah that's it let's let us now continue drinking so, yeah. <laughs> worse than bad cracker jokes someone i know has got a cheese advent calendar Oh. Where you get a different bit of cheese every day, and you get a joke with it. Um, and they oh, put yeah. a picture of one up on Facebook the other day. It says, "Do you know the most popular cheese in Great Britain?" And the answer is British cheese. Oh fucking hell! I think that's actually the worst joke I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. yeah. Uh, since it's like art. since the one that was on Teletext <laughs> Kids Jokes page in 1989 that said what did Bross say when he gave his girlfriend a box of chocolates? Answer chocolates in the box exclamation what? mark. What? <laughs> yeah, it 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 actually hurts to read it. Incredible. I do wonder who does these things because, you know, I've done various sort of weird copywriting jobs and it's like, oh, now I know who does that thing because now it's me. But um, I'm not proud of it. But um, bloody Poundland were looking for like terrible joke writers. So I applied for that. And they probably just used my shit and didn't. You oh. know. What was the joke? I can't even remember what I. Um... Oh, I know. I only gave them half of the joke. I hoping no. that they would like get back to me. It's like you're going to be intrigued by this terrible question, aren't you? I think it was a Fifty Shades of Grey joke because, you know, they like sort of saucy shit. Like, it's a bit yeah. naughty, isn't it? Great family fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they are. They're gross, aren't they? I'm not proud of it. I'm really glad I didn't get that work. I've done enough work in my life where I've gone, I- I'm going to have to answer for this one day, you know. Just went round my mum's and it. Yeah. That was it. Just just another Sunday. I prefer New Year's Eve anyway. I oh, think New yeah, Year's yeah, Eve's yeah, a far yeah. better ceremony. Yeah. Because there's no religious bollocks in it. It's just like, oh, we need a new calendar. Let's get fucked. It's the festival of the fresh start, and I love that, even if... Mm. I, it doesn't... I, I know that it's bollocks in a lot of ways, and it's not like, oh, you know, people kind of going, let's hope 2021 is better. Yeah, definitely not at first. It's not going to be. This is going to get... Mm. Uh, but... It's a nice, it's a lovely sort of idealistic thing, isn't it? And yeah, it's the, yeah. you get the countdown, and I defy you not to get. You're not going to sit there going five, four, 
three, you know, you're going to have a feeling of like, just for a, just for a minute, you're going to go, this is a fresh, clean new year and nothing bad has happened in the first minute of it. You know? Second. Yeah, yes. This is going to be our year. That's what I said <laughs> yes. at the start of 2020 as well. Mm. Yeah, we do it every time. It is proper like um, Charlie know. Brown, Lucy with the football shit. Yes. But still. No, because I used to like New Year's Eve when I was a kid. Because, you know, number one, you could stop up late. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got the the pleasure of seeing your mum and dad pissed up when they come back. But you also got to see the Hogmanay show as well, and that was fucking weird. Mm. <laughs> that was the only time you ever saw Scotland on telly, and you just thought, fucking hell, they're all mad up there. <laughs> I can imagine the pop-crazed Caledonians just with their hands sliding down the face going, oh, fucking hell, this is what they think we are. <laughs> It'd be like... If every TV station in America just showed the England show, <laughs> where it was just non-stop fucking Morris dancing and yeah. cheese rolling and the Wurzels. It'd be worse than that for Americans. It would be the Canada show. Yes. It'd just be like a moose walking around. Yes. For like oh, three hours. Yeah. A Christmas moose, though, a festive moose with the, with its with his antlers all all adorned. That would be lovely. Anyway, yeah, fuck Christmas. I'd love to see the back of the cunt. I am. <laughs> um, you know, we normally do a Christmas one, but I hit the fucking wall a few weeks ago yeah. and I just couldn't get my shit yeah. together. So we're going to do some at Christmas there, but we're just going to... I mean, fuck it. Let's hang Christmas out as long as possible. Who gives a yeah. toss nowadays? Not me. We're going to act like them bellends on your street who still have their Christmas decorations up in February. Oh, God, there's a thing, isn't there, mm. though, with like how long Christmas decorations are up for. It's like... End of January, nobody, people forget when it is, it's fine, you understand. When you get into February, it's like, hmm, and then by the time, like, it's March, it's like someone is dead in there. Yeah. So you should probably call the police. The most depressing thing in the world is where you go past someone's house where they've affixed some sort of decorations to their windows that they obviously couldn't get off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they've got some sort of fake snow spray. Uh, like mm. stickers of snowflakes of that just stuck to the window pane. <laughs> like with, just with yeah, big talon-shaped uh, trenches going down. So anyway, there's no Patreon list and there's no top ten in this episode, but I want to make it known right from the off that this episode is dedicated to all the pop-crazed youngsters who have put a jingle in our G-string this year because fucking hell, if it wasn't for you, I would be sitting under a fucking cash point machine playing the EastEnders theme on a penny whistle. Mm, yeah, me too. Fucking hell, I lost all my work this year. Only chart music has sustained me, so... If you're one of these people, seriously, thank you so fucking much. Yeah, really. You saved my ass. Yeah, I, I quite like my ass where it is. And, you know, so thank you. We really, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, me too. It like freed me up to start work on my unauthorised, muckraking biography of Tony Blackburn. <laughs> uh, it's going to be called 4,000 Holes. <laughs> <laughs> So this episode, Pop Craze Youngsters, takes us all the way back to December the 25th, 1983. Oh yes, it's one of them Christmas specials where the winner's circle of that year's charts are brought out for a trot about for a full hour. Sarah, let's start with you. Was the Christmas Top of the Pops an essential part of Christmas Day for you? Not at this time, because even though I was thinking about this, I think, I think, Top of the Pops probably entered my consciousness before the the charts did on the radio, you know. 
But mm. we probably wouldn't. We were at my grandparents because we'd. Uh, uh, I used to live with them, and then by this time we had just got our own place. But we'd go back to me and my mum, and then we went back to my grandparents for Christmas Day for the traditional get the big table out, get the traditional dry turkey and slightly lumpy gravy, and you know mm. the sort of soft sprouts, and. Yeah, so I think we would definitely we we watched the Queen's speech. Everything stopped for the Queen, but um, but not for Top of the Pops. I think it was it was a bit. Um, my grandpa probably would have would have uh, found something in it, but I think my my nana was been slightly troubled by it. So oh. you know, when when the olds would be sort of like a little bit disturbed, like what is all this? You know, and they weren't even that old, you know. Yeah. But it's like the way that people used to lean into being old in that way. <laughs> I yes. think they lent right into it, so, you know. You can't tell the difference, can you? What is it a man or a woman? <laughs> I'm so confused. I don't like it. We've touched on 1983 a couple of times, haven't we? And as, as David pointed out in the last episode when we did late December 1982, 1983 seen as the year that The Rock started to set in. But, you know, there are some belting tunes on this Top of the Pops. And, and I came away from it thinking, oh, you know what, we, we may have to look at 1983 anew. Well, it's sort of like the ghost year, isn't it? It's like the mm. the Aventis is over and done with, but there's yes. still there's still some dispute and confusion over where the eighties are going, and yeah, one of the interesting things about this episode because it's a compilation, it more or less covers everything. It's got records which really clearly point the way to eighty four and eighty five for better or for mm. worse. It's got records which point the way towards a different 84 and 85 that never happened. Yes. There's records that are still stuck in 1981 and trying to find a way out. And even the first coughings of what would become the late 1980s are here mm. in bits and pieces. And a couple of failed attempts to do something completely different, which just end up on the compost heap. So it's a lot more interesting than you would expect from 1983, isn't it? Yeah. In the last chart music that we did, um, Top of the Pops demonstrated that it could fill an entire episode with almost all British acts. I think Bing Crosby was the only American in that in that episode. Right. And I do recall the 1982 Top of the Pops. You know, it had a couple of American acts in it, obviously, but it was mainly British. But it would have been a more difficult job in this one, wouldn't it? Because if 1982 was the year of the British invasion, 1983 was the year that the Yanks started chucking crates of British bands back into the water the pushback began here didn't it yeah, yeah it was weird actually um because you know i always think of 1984 as like my year zero for for pop mm. culture and stuff but all of this was was super familiar to me when i watched this episode and it's like the two years are sort of inevitably very closely coupled in my memory mm. and trying to sort of peel them apart is kind of is, is quite tricky but i do think there was a mad vitality in this year because it is a sort of like who is going to claim this decade who's going to set the tone who's going to set what it's about and it's you know there's there's less of the attempts to align with existing tradition and there isn't quite yet the sort of futurism that was uh, going to shortly explode mm. so there's a kind of naive immediacy to a lot of it there's kind of a, a, a an attempt to sort of capture like a, a, a nowness and a sort of vitality in that kind of slightly sparkling slightly fizzy kind of kind of superficial way it's it, it seems sort of superficially superficial but and mm. frivolous and throwaway a lot of it but it, it i think that's kind of slightly literal minded way to to take it 
It's like yeah. that was a an attempt to just do something of the moment now. And so for yeah. some people, it's like this is dated really terribly. But for me, it still has that zing about it. Mm. The, the, I think it was a good moment to be coming into sort of cultural consciousness, to be sort of waking up into the world in that way. Although it has clearly, it's also scarred me for life. It's like this is the music <laughs> that formed my neural pathways. And I'm still whizzing around that like a sort of little slightly knackered scale X trick. <laughs> Let's get stuck in. Yay. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, I'm Justin. And I'm Lucy. And together we are the hosts of Plenty Questions. It's a very straightforward general knowledge quiz. We ask you 20 questions, one after the other, five second gap in between, and you shout the answers out. And then you tweet us to let us know how you've got on. See if you can get 20 out of 20. No one has so far, but that's because we haven't started doing it yet. Mm, but we will. Uh, and there's also going to be some fiendish brain teasers, so join us for Plenty, Plenty Questions. Radio An IRA bomb has gone off in a rubbish bin in Oxford Street, but it was Christmas Day, so no one was about. Pope John Paul II has nipped over to Rabibia Prison in Rome for a cup of tea and a chit-chat with Mehmet Ali Agha, who shot him four times 18 months ago. The two spoke in private, so there is no record of the conversation, but it's safe to assume there was at least £40 a snout and a blank passport for Inky Stevens under that cassock. <laughs> Loads of mad Americans have been punching each other in the face in various toy shops in a doomed attempt to get a Cabbage Patch Kid for their spawn. A family of 10 have been allowed to emigrate to the Falkland Islands next month, boosting their population gains since the war by nearly 30%. They intend to run a croft and open a Vietnamese restaurant. Two Oxford dons have announced that they estimate that baby Jesus was actually born on Friday the 3rd of April, AD 33. <laughs> Yuri Andropov fails to turn up for a Communist Party meeting sparking more rumours that he's on his way out, and he dies five weeks later. Oh, this close to being in the Two Tribes video. (laughs) Violet Carson, who played Ina Sharples in Coronation Street for 20 years, has died in Blackpool at the age of 85. A Fortnum and Mason hamper worth £1,000 has been sent to the Greenham Common Peace Camp by Linda McCartney. Level 42 have offered to play a free gig in Luxembourg as an apology for England fans who picked it up and threw it through a pub window last month. But the big news is Santa's bin. (laughs) What did he get you? I 
think I got a Viewmaster. Wow. It's, it's such a, can you imagine that now? Like, like it's it was just a little set of like red non-binoculars and you put them up mm. to your eyes and you put it on and there were like slides that you could look at of things. What, what was in it? I bet it was Disney. Cannot remember anything at all about it. I just remember that, you know, and I, I'm sure if I saw one of those images now, I'd just do the hyper jump back to that time, but I can't remember. I just remember the sort of, the particular quality of the light in it and that's it mm. but i think i also got uh i think i got a hasbro glowworm which i loved Ooh. and uh it's just a little just a little sort of thing and it's in a little sleeping bag and if you shine a light on it and then you look at it under the cover and it like glows and it has a lovely sort of a lovely sleepy smiley face and it was Aww. one of my favorite things i actually had in a fit of nostalgia earlier this year i went and got one off ebay and it doesn't glow very well, but it tries. <laughs> oh, that's all I, that matters. That's all that, you know, it's like at least you tried. An effort was made, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, I think I also got a Spirograph set. Ooh. Also don't know what happened to that. And I could really, I could I could go for a bit of Spirograph now. It's like a really soothing thing. And it's like, ah, oh, order in a chaotic universe. Mm. You put your pen in the thing there. And then you go, you do whatever you want. You go wee with your pen all over the paper. And yet what comes out is a perfect kind of orbital um, pattern. And, you know, yeah. yeah you, you've essentially just stuff. designed a rave flyer circa 1991. Yeah, 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 basically. Yeah. <laughs> I think I got the view master of the opening of Misty Beethoven. <laughs> On the cover of the NME... A silhouette of Santa playing the saxophone. Mm. Mm. On the cover of Smash Hits, Howard Jones raising a glass as someone out of shop pours champagne into it. Probably vegan champagne, no (laughs) doubt. (laughs) On the cover of the Radio Times is an Art Deco Christmas tree with loads of 12 days of Christmas semiology. On the cover of the TV Times, an appalling illustration of Prince Charles doing up the Christmas tree, Prince William grabbing a party hat, and Lady Di leaning on a puff that's right up against a screen of what looks like a Ferguson colour star television. <laughs> Fucking hell, that's insane, isn't it? It's a disturbing image, it really is. They're yeah. kind of dead-eyed and sort of, yeah, it's really weird. Ed's bigger than the body. <laughs> The Radio Times one, though, is lovely. And the Radio Times now really phones it in. They just have the same kind mm. of... They have the same guy, like, just slightly redo a very sort of pastely, fluffy Father Christmas with mm. or without reindeer. And, you know, why try harder? Yeah. <laughs> the number one LP in the country at the moment is now That's What I Call Music, the original one. No Parlay by Paul Young is at number two. Over in America, the number one single is Say, Say, Say by Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. And the number one LP, of course, is Thriller by Michael Jackson. It's 22nd non-concurrent week at number one. So, me dears, what were we doing on Christmas Day of 1983? This was the second last proper Christmas of my childhood, right? Because I was 11 and everyone's last... 100% 100% Christmas is when they're 12. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like after yeah. that, it can still be great, but it's a holiday. Whereas mm. before that, it's a tear in the fabric of reality. <laughs> um, and in 1983, I was still feeling that eerie glow. You know, I mean, obviously I was too old to believe in anything. Uh, but you still got that sense of everything being different, you know, and better. And 
sharper and and that glorious loss of all sense of what day it is and the mm. the wonderful sprawl of the festive perineum uh, lying around eating a chocolate orange at 11 o'clock in the morning you know <laughs> god watching a czechoslovakian animation about a mouse <laughs> that saved a snowman's life yeah it might this might have been the year i got a bean bag actually no it wasn't it, i would have been earlier but i definitely remember sitting in the bean bag <laughs> eating toasted cheese sandwiches and watching skiing with no understanding of the sport like you know france clamour or some cunt mm. in the <laughs> the downhill from Lauberhorn, you know, which for some reason I remember as the perfect moment of peace and contentment, just uh, yeah. just grooving on the the alpine ambience, you know, that, that sort of dingalingalingal. Basically, what I'm saying, I had an existential fever, and the only prescription was more cowbell. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I was five. Ooh. at this time i was a magical like time five then five and two thirds yeah really um it was properly good me and my mum had our own house by now and i'd start god i'd been at school for like a year already and was already pretty tired of it i think <laughs> we had our own house and it was like a mile away from uh my grandparents where i had lived before so we we went back there for, for christmas dinner i definitely remember it being very very warm from the gas fire and very very bright from the overhead the big light would be on like Ooh. all through oh, into no. the evening and i am now like i don't know how i stuck it because now i'm absolutely like very very low light at all times please and yeah. i hate it when the big light's on yeah, fuck the big light. Yeah. Fuck the big light. The big light is for when you have dropped something of value and you need to fight for that. <laughs> Although, and no other time. You have iPhone torches for that, though. So a big yeah. light is, is just for doing the hoovering if, if there's not, you know, it's, it's a practical thing. And the rest of the time it needs to butt out, especially yes. on Christmas. Christmas is a time for low light and fucking twinkling. Um, but yeah, it was still nice. But that's my, if I if I think of that time, that's I'm like stiflingly warm no air at all, um, but it's somehow still been quite pleasant. So at home we had uh, we had guinea pigs, which um, I guess we had to uh, we couldn't leave them for very long because the guinea pigs had shagged, and so there were more guinea pigs. Oh. And they, they they were born on Christmas Eve, I think. So we had oh. two called Holly and Ivy because they were nice. festive guinea pigs. It's like along with um, uh, Raymond Briggs, the snowman. These are the things that teach you about about life and death you know, mm. when you're a child. Because the snowman was actually it was 1982 that it was made, and yeah. it's it's basically it's become a Christmas tradition where it's on every year, either Christmas mm. Eve or Christmas Day, just like on the buses films. It's like exactly, but um, except with 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 more death in it. Um, <laughs> it's like everything and everyone you know and love will leave you. Okay, mm. cool. That's that's a good message. Yeah, great. Um, yeah. But it didn't seem to be in the listings this year. Maybe I missed it. But um, so I guess we didn't watch the snowman. But that was like a it's like early trauma. Mm. <laughs> oh yeah, and we had very fancy crackers which had um, oh. Wade whimsies in them. Do you know <gasps> what this Wade is like a? Um, yes. Oh yeah. Mm. And the crackers had those in like the little tiny pot animals, and you could collect them. There were like hundreds of them, and I amassed yeah. a huge collection. Not just from the um, first from the crackers. I think that was the start of my collection. And then later on, we would go to sort of you know junk shops and antique fairs and whatever the hell, and you'd find them for like you know 10p or 20p or whatever so i had loads of them and eventually i've sold most of them sarah's ark sarah's ark that was it and yeah though most of them have gone now but you know because people still collect them now and they were you know some of them sold for like 10 quid each so 
So that that was like my little nest egg. I didn't even realise it. And now I have <laughs> spent it all on frivolities and staying Fripperous. alive. <laughs> yes. I'm 15 at the time. So it's the, it's the money and clothes period for me. Yeah. And um, the, the only thing I can remember from it was uh, I got a jumper uh, from Marks and Spencer's with massively long diamonds down the front. It's, this is the casual era, but yeah, yeah. I couldn't afford any of that shit and I wasn't going to nick it. So I had to make do with this. And I, I teamed that up at school with uh, a black shirt and my black and red op art cravat and some white trousers, which I got for Christmas as well. And I remember in January of 1984, I'm walking along the corridor and there's this one girl who was always fucking horrible to me. And she's just staring at me aghast. And eventually she says, fucking hell, Needham, what, what are you into? And I just looked at her and just said, oh, I'm into jazz now, just to confuse her further. <laughs> um, but I do remember it being a fucking mint Christmas because people always go on about the magic of a child's Christmas and they never go on about how good it is when you're a teenager because you can still dip into the worlds of childhood and adulthood. You know, you can read an annual still and you can drink booze as well. Mm. That's the sweet spot, isn't it? But it's perfect. I mean, why didn't fucking Dylan Thomas write a follow-up called A Teenager's Christmas in Wales? <laughs> no, it, it would probably end with, so much wanking. So much wanking. <laughs> <laughs> As a teenager, your only obligation over Christmas is just to be in a chair for Christmas dinner. Yeah. And after that, everyone wants you to get the fuck out of the way. Mm. And then the day after Boxing Day... Your parents fuck off back to work and you've got the whole house to yourself. So it's just perfect. And, you know, the telly was fucking skill at the time. So all you got to do is nip downstairs, load up on crisps and sausage roll, get a lamb full of Quality Street and fuck off back to your nest again. Mm. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Now you're a grown up, you've just got to be there all the time. There's no time that you can actually just go off and just be on your own. <laughs> Fuck being a grown up at Christmas, it's shit. <laughs> so, while we're waiting to see if uh, any more guests turn up, why don't we leave through the crates and pull out the Melody Maker from this week? Shall we have a leaf through and talk about the old times? <laughs> Yeah, all right. Good. So I've got Melody Maker from December the 24th, 1983. My Christmas present to myself. Ooh. On the cover, Tracy Ullman, all santered up. Yeah, front cover, which fairly screams another cover fell through. <gasps> yes. I think that happened to us about 95 or 96 at Melody Maker. We'd been promised something, you know, unusual and exciting like Oasis and uh, got got fucked over and had to drag the designers out of the pub or the same cubicle in the pub toilets, more like, and to create some kind of photo collage or oh, something. <laughs> Christmas oh. message, you know, in the probably in the light and inauthentically laddish style of the day, like, you know, mm. Merry Christmas fella or something. <laughs> Have a pint of beer. Top Christmas. <laughs> Drink some beer. It's F asterisk 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 in apostrophe Christmas. <laughs> oh, probably God, I'm just say. remembering the final ever uh, Melody Maker was it uh, had Fred Durst in a fucking Santa hat. The least festive yes. man. <laughs> Just giving it that, giving it that weird stare that he did. <laughs> <sighs> the ghost of Christmas shit. In the news, 
Pete Townsend has announced that The Who will never work together again due to his inability to compose any new material that the rest of the band want to record. I will not be making any more records with The Who, the statement read, and I can now say that I will not perform live again anywhere in the world with The Who. Tickets for The Who's 2021 tour of the UK and Ireland are now available on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) The Clash have announced their latest tour of the UK, even though they currently consist of Joe Strummer and Paul Simonon. Meanwhile, the recently sacked Mick Jones has been putting it about that he had no idea he was about to be knobbed off and insisted that he hadn't drifted away from the original Clash philosopher as stated by Strummer. And nothing else happened at all because it's Christmas. Inside the paper, well, Steve Sutherland finds himself in business class from Amsterdam to Heathrow with the it girl of 1983, Tracy Ullman. They open the conversation with a discussion on whether Len Fairclough did something in that swimming pool. Ullman thinks not. Wow. And when asked about her hopes for 1984, she asks for ITV to repeat, please, sir, and on the buses. (laughs) Fucking hell, she must have been happy as a pig in shit over the Christmas period. (laughs) Good old forces TV. And ITV3. According to her, the highlight of 1983 was having a phone chat with Margaret Wilkins, the matriarch of the 1974 documentary series The Family, which was repeated this year. When asked about her music career, she confesses her fears of being put in the same bracket as Bucks, Fizz and the Doolies, and whenever she's on top of the pops, she's been advised by the crew to stick to the acting. She's also had enough of creepy male journalists who keep trying to cop off with her. But how are we meant to reproduce? (laughs) It's funny, though, that that she mentioned that. He must have been leaning in a bit or Mm. something. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, like, as a bloke, if you ever find yourself talking to a woman that you don't know, Mm. like, completely innocently... Like maybe if you're if you're both at the scene of a hang gliding accident or something, <laughs> and you're just having a conversation with her as a stranger, and after about ninety seconds, she'll just uh, find a way to mention her boyfriend. And I absolutely understand why that happens, but I never quite know what to say. Yeah. It's like, well, you know, fuck you now. Yeah, that's uh, Tracy Ullman in that mode. Yeah. Mm. Ian Pye nips down to heaven to see a 15-minute PA by a new band from Liverpool. Frankie goes to Hollywood and isn't sure if they're pretending to have oral sex on stage or are actually doing it. (laughs) During the interview the next day, Ollie Johnson has a cob on that the video for their debut single, Relax, has already been banned, moans that his solo career after Big in Japan was a non-starter because the label was obsessed with Pete Wyler and assures is that they're not going to be the new village people because it's the 80s they'd all have to be on the dole wouldn't they (laughs) he signs off by telling the readers do anything you want licking boots and eating shit is normal remember that (laughs) remember as if you're going like oh yeah i forgot it's normal isn't it yes if, that, if right, if he likes if he likes licking boots and eating shit, he should hang out with uh, people who uh, live on Holloway Road. <laughs> then he could save time by combining the two. 
Paul Strange finds himself outside Stiff Records HQ in Camden on a Sunday morning, about to embark on a coach trip to Amsterdam with King Kurt fans to see them play at the Melkweg. After having to endure the stench of puked-up snake bite, he discovers that the band have already caused £600 worth of damage in the hotel, and halfway through the gig he gets dragged up on stage, stripped to his pants, and is force-fed a bucket of snake bite through a funnel. The gig is cut short when the locals get sick of having flower bombs lobbed at them and start letting off fire extinguishers in return. It's <laughs> quite festive though, isn't it? Nick Cave gives Steve Sutherland one of his first interviews after going solo and says that reading a recent gig review of Susie and the Banshees in Melody Maker, which praised them for still carrying on, made him feel that he was completely right to split up the birthday party. He talks about feeling that people were only turning up to the band's last few gigs in the hope that they would disintegrate on stage and then gets into a row with Sutherland over having a swastika on the Mutiny EP, claiming it was there because it's a dead powerful symbol and in any case he used to have a Jewish girlfriend so there. He didn't give the real reason that it sort of looks like an N when you rotate it a bit. Because he used a crucifix for a T, you see. (laughs) And Dessa Fox ruminates on the future of pop television and points out that as youth unemployment is here to stay and the pop-crazed youngsters have more time on their hands than ever before, there's going to be more of it. She lords the new Channel 4 outputs such as the Switch and the Tube and claims that A Midsummer Night's Tube was the televisual event of the year. As for Top of the Pops, she asks why they're still employing Jonathan King and out of the current crop of presenters, only Peter Powell, Kid Jensen and John Peel should be kept on. It's funny, isn't it, the way they're like, oh, well, there's going to be more youth unemployment, so there's going to be more pop TV to cater to it. It's like people in the early 80s thought they were having a fucking hard time. It's like in the <laughs> unemployment apocalypse to come next year, you probably get your fucking benefits stopped if you're caught watching TV. Uh, single reviews. Well, there aren't any. But the Melody Maker number one single of 1983 is Keep Feeling Fascination by the Human League and the number one LP is Touch by the Eurythmics. In the LP review section, well, the main review is given over to Japanese Whispers, the Cure singles November 1982, November 1983, and Adam Sweetin writes about it as if it's the final kiss-off from a soon-to-be-defunct band. He lavishes praise upon Love Cats, claiming this is what the band could have been, while the remaining seven tracks demonstrate where and how often they went wrong. With musicians currently being auditions for touring purposes, perhaps a new cure is about to spring out and surprise everybody. But don't get rid of the Valium yet. Sweeting also throffs at the mouth at the re-release of Otis Blue. Not a milestone in soul music, but a milestone, period. He means full stop. However, it's a coat down from Carol Clark for The Bop Won't Stop, the new release by Shaking Stevens. <laughs> this is rock and roll with its face so scrubbed clean you can't even recognise it. One teaspoonful of dirt to ten gallons of water. Retaining all the threat of a toothless teddy bear, Stevens has allowed himself to become the plaything of kiddies and idiotic adults alike. The Cabbage Patch Kid of the 80s. 
Good old Carol. Clark is more charitable towards the amazing Kamikaze Syndrome, the 11th studio album by Slade. No matter what the deifications of fate, no matter what the odds against survival, no matter how many kickings have to be endured, Slade will never abandon the battle while there's spirit enough left to fight it. Number two at the minute, Slade, don't forget. Mm. The amazing Kamikaze Syndrome features the song Cocky Rock Boys Rule OK. (laughs) Bang up to date. In the gig guide, David could have seen Madness at the Lyceum Toya at the Marquee, Elvis Costello and Prefab Sprout at Hammersmith Odeon, and Duran Duran at Wembley Arena, but probably didn't. Taylor could have seen Judas Priest at the Birmingham Odeon, the police at the NEC, Robert Plant at the Odeon, or the Meteors at the Tin Can Club. Neil could have seen Vardis at the General Wolf, or King at the General Wolf. Sarah could have seen The Damned at Leeds Queen's Hall and fuck all else. Al could have seen Gary Glitter at the Palais, Marillion at Rock City, or nipped over to Leicester to see King Kurt at the Belfry. And Simon could have seen Hot Chocolate at Cardiff St David's Hall or Fairport Convention at the same venue. In the letters page... Andy of Guildford writes to complain about a recent singles review page written by Lyndon Barber. He may feel his style is trendy, but it's bloody useless to the record-buying public looking for an informative guide to what's available in the shops. (laughs) It's look at me, I'm hip morons like Barber that drag your paper down. (laughs) You're always trying to be cool, aren't you? Yeah, it's just just arrogant. The only only non-arrogant thing to do is to assume that your subjective view is objective truth. And inform the readers. Why don't you give them the registration number for all the singles? That's what the that's what the readership wants. Yeah. Lee Shankster of Coventry takes massive offence at Melody Maker's review of an Icicle Works gig at the General Wolf. <laughs> Not for what was said about the band, but the venue. I agree that Coventry is a shithole for live bands, but the Wolf is an exception. It has a very good atmosphere and doesn't have turkeys that think they're hard by staring at you. <laughs> yeah, well, turkeys <laughs> that think they're hard is not what anyone needs at Christmas time, is it? No. <laughs> a usually placid female from Preston Pans unleashes the fury upon Puffy Boy from Paisley for slagging off David Bowie in a previous instalment of Backlash. Who the hell do you think you are spouting forth from the cultural echelons of cultural paisley? Obviously someone with two bob in your faded denims who can't afford a baggy suit. And Perry of no address is incandescent with rage at Quiet Riot having a massive hit in America with Come On Feel The Noise. Slade are a great band who made a fairly concentrated effort to break America before the advent of MTV. Now we're forced to put up with these Slade clones mimicking the masters. Let's see some justice for a change. (laughs) The important issues there. Well, as, as we know in that chart music the week before this, Lord Stephen Regal dragged the lead singer of Quiet Riot over a DJ desk for uh, being uh, catty about Slade. And his wig came off. So, yes, <laughs> there's your justice, Perry. <laughs> 64 pages. 
80 pennies. I never knew there was so much in it. Did you enjoy the Christmas music papers? Yeah. As a reader, not so much as a, a, as a writer, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, only as a reader. As yeah. a writer, it was just like, you know, you've got six seconds. We need 6,000 words, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so what else was on telly today? Well, BBC One commences at 8.35 with The Christmas Raccoons, a musical cartoon narrated by Rich Little, with the raccoons played by Rita Coolidge and Rupert Holmes. Do you like pina colada and eating scraps from a bin? (laughs) (laughs) Then it's carols from Newbie Hall in Clifton, away in a manger where kids from around the country prattle on about the nativity, followed by a Christmas morning family service from the Mint Methodist Church in Exeter. Next door to the Skill Synagogue. (laughs) After the weather with Michael Fish, it's The Little Convict, a cartoon about how Australia was populated by crims starring Rolf Harris. That's followed by Ziggy's Gift, where the American comic strip character that means nothing to British people takes a job as a street Santa. After a Bugs Bunny cartoon, it's The Glitter Ball, the 1977 Children's Film Foundation picture, which is essentially E.T. five years before the event, but with a massive ball bearing instead. (laughs) BBC Two has stayed in bed reading annuals and ripping through a selection box until 2pm where they give us a repeat of Nobody Minded the Rain, the story of the preparation and execution of the Queen's coronation 30 years ago. Ugh, nobody minded the rain. Yeah, it's, they should have called it uh, We All Got Pissed On. She was in a carriage made out of gold mm-hmm. in a £600 billion pound hat. <laughs> ITV kicks off at 7am with Rubber Dub Tub's Christmas special, with special guest Michelle Dutriste, Bonnie Langford and Edward Woodward. What's the fucking equaliser doing on that? <laughs> he, he had a, a little side career as a as a family variety. Have you never seen the Edward Woodward Hour? No, <laughs> it's worth a look. It's his his variety show where he like introduce. He does a bit of singing, introduces a few acts. Um, then he cleans the street. Yeah, he's a, he's a bit more convincing cracking bones than cracking jokes. I have to say. Yeah. After that, it's Christmas with TVAM, where Anne Diamond, Nick Owen, Richard Keyes, Wincy Willis and Mad Lizzie pretend to have a party, while Chris Tarrant bothers the residents of a children's hospital and Cardinal Basil Hume pitches up with a thought for Christmas. I thought you were going to say Cardinal Basil Brush. I'm going mad. (laughs) After Roland's Winter Wonderland, where the Johnny-Eared Rodent and his mates piss about in a ski hut, (laughs) it's the night the animals talked. The Sammy Khan parable about the nativity from the donkey's point of view. Then it's a five-minute preview of ITV's next big kids show, The Fraggles Are Coming. Taylor, you're quite excited about that, weren't you, Taylor? No, I, I just, I was just excited recently to hear they've they've found all the missing episodes of Fraggle Rock. Oh, yes, I'm yeah, so happy about that. Cause for celebration. The other thing that and the vaccine. No, the other thing is that's even even better than that is that the uh, the missing scene from uh, the Muppet Christmas Carol that was taken out because they uh, yeah. they thought it was either too sad for children because of nudity. <laughs> 
God, you people are honestly, you, you people are terrible. Um, no, it's the, the missing scene, which is um, uh, they didn't have the original tape of it because they chucked it because they figured it was too either too sad or too boring for children because it's Scrooge's girlfriend sings a song to him basically dumping him because he's awful and he's got all his priorities wrong. What was she going out with him for in the first place yeah, you then? I think she would have figured it out. Well, she couldn't, you can't always tell with people, can you? And then you get all invested and then it turns out they're a legendary miser. But um, yeah, so it's it's that and it lasts, it's like a 10 minute scene or something and uh, they took it out. But the thing is, it has to oh. be in there because then there's a reprise at the end, this sort of really heartbreaking and heartlifting song at the end. It's the same song, but with different lyrics. Oh. The song is called uh, uh, When Love Is Gone or The Love Is Gone. And then at the end, it's The Love We Found. Oh, bless. The love we found, we keep it, we keep it with us so we're never quite alone. And mm. you need it. And children don't mind sad stuff. I always lapped up the sad stuff. Anyway, they found that. They found the original tape. They're going to restore it for a new edition. And happy fucking days. The, you know, God is in his heaven, oh. etc. Give us the vaccine. After that, it's Messengers to Earth, another nativity parable, but this time set in space or summer, I don't know. Then it's even more Christmas morning worship. How much do you need to be fucking worshipped, baby Jesus? Oh, it's God, in it? God's sake. He's God's a bit like Donald Trump, you know what I mean? He, yeah. He just, <laughs> you have to just keep telling him how great he is or he'll fucking kill you. Yeah. <laughs> Then it's the magic planet, where an astronaut lands on a planet, falls in love with its queen, and then rescues her from a kidnap attempt. And it's all on ice. (laughs) After that, it's the capture of Grizzly Adams, the film version of the Beardy Loner TV show. And they've just started the royal year, where we get to see all the countries that the royal family have punced about in off our taxes. Channel 4 starts at 10.30 with a Christmas oratorio from Vienna that goes on for two and three quarter hours and then bungs on the gangs all here. The 1943 Busby Barclay, Alice Faye and Carmen Miranda musical which was banned in Brazil due to a 60-woman chorus line being very suggestive while they waved about some massive bananas. (laughs) Yeah, Christmas morning telly's not that, is it, this year? Apparently not, no. Yeah, well, they're just assuming no one's watching at that time of day, isn't it? Yeah. Telly is for the afternoon, really. It's when you're sitting there and you can't that you can't move and you just have to sit there and, yeah. and try attempt to digest what you've so foolishly crammed into your face and, yeah, just put yeah. whatever the fuck on the telly. Yeah, you just look at this and it's like, look, let's get the religious shit out of the way as soon as possible because the main event's about to happen, which is the Christmas top of the pops. And I do believe we shall attend to that in the next episode. So, for now, you know, go off and get yourself some nibbles and I'll talk to you soon. But thank you very much, Taylor Parks. Oh, all right. See you soon, Sarah. <laughs> See you in a bit. My name's Al Needham. Stay pop crazed, why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Chart music. All of television history is contained within the box of delights. It was happening in front of us. Incredible. In our living rooms. It was amazing. Guests pick their favourite television moment and tell us why they love it. And is this the episode where Daisy's just been for the interview at the Woman's Magazine? Flaps. That's it, Flaps. Yeah. Named one of Radio Time's best podcasts of the year. I don't understand people who don't see the joy in drawing the curtains, mug of hot chocolate and something nice on TV. Like, what could be nicer than that? Than having a snuggle. Exactly. Nostalgia in bite-sized chunks. Box of Delights from Great Big Owl.